morning, church. Welcome. Go ahead and stand up with me. Welcome to the house of the Lord this morning. If this is your first time with us, we welcome you. We're about to get excited in worshiping Jesus. As I was coming in this morning, I was thinking about sporting events and how, you know, you watch sports and you just, people get so excited yelling and screaming. This guy's watching wrestling, the college wrestling right now. And wow, I mean, he can just, his energy just draws the whole house in. I mean, I know more about wrestling than I ever wanted to know. And I was thinking about that this morning or concerts. You know, people have their hands up and they're singing to like, you know, whoever. I don't know. Taylor Swift. Like whoever. But this morning, we come to worship the King of Kings. The God of all creation. God created us to worship him. And it's not hard when you begin to think about all the good things that he's given us, his son, Jesus, it's not hard to get fired up. So I'm fired up this morning. I'm fired up with thankfulness and I'm ready to worship. Amen. Well, I'm going to do a call to worship out of Isaiah 55. We read the first couple scriptures last week and I want to pick up in verse six. So don't, you don't have to say these with me. Just kind of close your eyes and just receive uh, what the Lord has for you today. It says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Church, he can be found today. He is here. His presence is here. Amen. Call upon him while he is near. Church, he is near. With, he is with us. He is for us today. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord. Maybe there's someone here today who just needs a return to the Lord. Maybe it's a certain situation. Maybe it's not everything but it's a day to return to the Lord. Look at this promise. And he will have mercy on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Amen? Abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So Father, we just come before you. We thank you, Lord, that your ways are higher, that your thoughts are higher. So we fix our eyes upon you. We fix our thoughts upon you. We fix our heart upon you. And our spirit rejoices this morning, for there is joy in the house of the Lord this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's worship. At this time, I'm going to dismiss you to come to the communion table to pick up your elements. You're going to hold on to them and go back to your seat. We're going to take communion together this morning. As we were singing, to God belongs all the glory. What I love about this is that the Apostle Paul says, in one thing I can boast, and that is in my weakness. Because what God does, God will never fail to come upon a man or a woman who is humble and weak and overshadow them with his love and his grace and his power and open their eyes to the authority and the power that they have in him. And when they rise up and they begin to operate in that authority, they begin to take ground over fear and over generational sin and over, over all the things that are come against them. When, when that moment comes when people say, that was amazing, I can't believe, you're so strong, they know where their strength comes from. And all glory goes to God. All glory goes to God. 
Jason and I had a conversation this week about gifts and the gifts this morning as I was praying up here with the team, I was just overwhelmed with the faithfulness of the people who come and serve God with the gifts that he's given them. But they know, I know, we were talking about gifts. My gift turned out to be mothering. I don't know, like I don't do anything else super well. That's like my, my superhero gift or whatever. And I was amazed as anybody. But what I said to Jason is that, like when people come up and like, yo, you're so amazing. You have eight kids. I could almost, the weeping could almost come out from inside of me. And I can say, but you don't know what God has done. You don't know that in every conversation, he is helping me to know what to say. You don't know the husband he gave me and how this man serves my family. And you don't know the friends who have spoken into the lives of my kids and poured out love into them. You don't know that all of this is him. All of this is God. All of this is God. All of it. All of it. He gets all the glory. He gets all the glory. So when we see a pastor who just preaches these messages and the Holy Spirit moves with power, we think he must have a walk with God that is uncompromising. His faith must be that which can move mountains. But the righteous pastor knows that it's the time that he spends on his face in the carpet that the Holy Spirit overshadows him and raises him up. The worship leader, when you, and you think, my gosh, she just must go into the, the holy of holies, that gift, that gift. And yes, yes, she does. And she takes us with her, but it's the time. And she will tell you, and every worshiper will tell you, it's the time when she's alone in her office and we hear her worship throughout the whole office building. It's that time when the Holy Spirit comes and that gift is laid down and the weaknesses are just felt like a crushing weight, but we put them before the Father. So as we come to the table this morning, we don't come in our strength of faith. We don't come as proud people. We come as a humble people that give all glory to God this morning. We come and we move our feet and we leave our seat and we come up to the table to partake of a, the divine impartation of grace because we need it. Divine impartation of grace. So go ahead and move. Come to, up to the table. The little plate in the middle is gluten-free. I forget to say that every week. Hold on to the elements and we'll partake of them together. Before we partake this morning, I'm going to read... Um, some scripture. We're going to read through Isaiah 53 and also a short portion of John 15. And um, just listen to the words. This is a time for us to remember what Jesus has done for us. So there's nothing better than, than just listening to the word and letting it, letting its weight fall upon us and change us. Isaiah 53 says, this is a prophecy of the Messiah. Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. 
Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken. And they, and they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death. Because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall, he shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many. He shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great. And he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors. And he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. John 15. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Jesus says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. For without me, Jesus says, you can do nothing. The way we abide in him is by remembering what he has done for us. It is the key way, remembering the price that he paid, the thing that he came to do, and the thing that he did for us. Because without him, we can do nothing except for sin and fall away and all the things that we don't want to do. But with him, we have life and we have peace we have forgiveness of sins, we have joy, we have hope. So take a few moments before we partake and examine your heart and let him cleanse you and remind ourselves that without him we can do nothing and abide in his love for this, for this moment here as we remember him and then we'll come back and partake.
Father, before we partake, we want to thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for us, to pay for our sins, to make a way for us to be one with you. And Jesus, we thank you for being willing to lay down your life, lay down your will, and take our sin upon yourself and become sin and take the wrath that was deserved for us upon yourself and be forsaken for us so we could have life. We thank you, Jesus, for paying for us and rescuing us. And we prostrate our hearts before you right now and surrender to you. And we thank you. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us partake of the bread. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let us drink. Father, we thank you. Jesus, we thank you. And we love you. And we rest in your love. We're going to continue to worship. So... Please join us. I woke up this morning and just heard the Lord say Psalm 77. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I should probably look that up, yeah? I just want to read a short portion of it, starting in verse 10. And I said, this is my anguish, but I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. Even in the valleys, even in the most difficult times, there are so many things we can look to him and remember his goodness and his faithfulness. It says, I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old, his miracles, the things he has done in our life. I will also meditate on all your work and talk of your deeds. Your way, O oh God, is in the sanctuary who is so great a God as our God. Who is so great a God as our God. You are the God who does wonders. You have declared your strength among the peoples. You have with your arm redeemed your people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph. Father, we just thank you this morning. And as beautiful as the sunshine and the warm air is outside, 
we are brought to remembrance of your goodness, your faithfulness, your Son, your glory, your warmth, your kindness, your goodness. No matter the valley we might be in or the mountaintop that we stand on, it's all you, Lord. You're with us every step of the way. You will never leave us. You will never forsake us. Thank you, Lord. Church, as he was reading that, I mean, as I'm up here praying, I just saw, like, the goodness of God come up alongside me. And then, like, the faithfulness, actually, the faithfulness of God came up, and it was like a seat underneath me, like a... And then, um, you know, it was like I was hemmed in. And so it didn't matter if I was in a valley or on a mountaintop, that he was on all sides. And what he spoke to my heart is church that's available, right? That's available every day, every day. And I know, like, there's so many days where it's just like, Liz, let's, like, you know what to do. Run to the Father. Run to the Father. But we all have the ability to choose which line of thinking we're going to take. We get to choose whether to think well of one another, to choose love, to choose grace in a moment. I often can't do that unless I cry out to the Lord and ask him to help me, cry out to the Holy Spirit. We choose our thoughts. We choose our actions. We can choose the word every single day over what our eyes see and over what our feelings feel. Our feelings, I'm a feeler, and I don't, I used to feel bad about that, like somehow that was less than, God's a feeler. If he wasn't a feeler, I wouldn't be a feeler. Um, God's heart. (laughs) All you feelers out there, you're feeling his heart. And there's strong emotions in there, strong emotions in there, more than we can bear, which is why sometimes the tears come out so much, even when we're happy, even when we love, it's just tears. But our feelings, as we navigate this life, they are a product of, our, of what we believe. They're a product of our beliefs. So if you're not really digging your feelings right now, if they're kind of all over the place, look at the why. Look at the why. Ask God, get, get with God, get in his word, and align your words, align your thoughts, choose your thoughts, choose your actions. Because I know as a feeler, you don't, it doesn't feel like you choose your feelings, and honestly, I don't think you do. You choose your thoughts, which yeah. then change your feelings. Yeah. And I've learned this, it's very powerful, but as he was doing that, I just saw just God on all sides. So it didn't matter what was going on around, he was with me, and he was the, he was the sturdiness to my, to my journey. Um, church, every day, you get to choose your thoughts. You get to choose what you think about others. You get to choose what you do. You get to choose your response instead of reacting all by the Holy Spirit's help and by the truth of the word. So shore yourself up, and it's available every day to each and every one of you. So take and receive all that he has. He wants to come up and just um, be with you on this journey that you would have a firm foundation. So praise God. Praise God for his faithfulness and this time that we have together with him. Right now we're going to go into our time of greeting one another. Again, if this is your first time, welcome. There's a connection card in the back of the seats. Um, Church family, you can use that for your praise reports, prayer requests. 
uh, testimonies. If it's your first time, you can let us know that you're here. Um, Kid Corner, hey kids, you guys have new tags on your bags. Thanks to Miss Brenda and Anna and myself, we made new laminated tags so that they won't rip off so easily. Um, and just so you know, ECF Kids, I'm collecting new stuff. So at some point, we'll refresh your crayons and we'll refresh your toys and just little things, you know. And parents, no, you can add to their bag. You can go out and buy them a special Sunday-only toys. Keep them Sunday-only. Otherwise, they're not special. They don't have the same draw during the sermon as the special toys do. But anyway, Kid Court, if you're a guest and you have kids, um, I have guest bags from toddler up through sixth grade. Um, and Kid Corner's right over there. Someone will be over there. What else? Ties and offerings. Uh, and your connection cards, they come up here during the break or at the box to the left of the door. And also, church, I had a really great conversation today, this morning, with Eden Miller. Um, her and her sister, Rachel, they're just doing some really cool things. So if you don't know them, they're the two sisters standing and rocking in unison right now. There they are. During the break, you can go up and say, hey, I'm so-and-so, we've never talked before. Or after church, hey, I'm so-and-so, we've never talked before. What the heck is Pastor Liz talking about? And they'll just let you know. And you can be like, okay, cool. You know, um, but I love them. They're faithful. They're faithful. Y'all are faithful. I love all of you. Eric always loves when I tell y'all I love you. I do. I do. Y'all are faithful. Um, but let's just greet one another and love one another, and then we'll come back up for the word. everyone. Man, that was a fast eight minutes, wasn't it? Grab your seats, kids. Grab your stuff. All right, everyone. I've got uh, one quick announcement, and then we're going to show you guys a quick video and then Miss Lynn is going to get up and do an update for us on Operation Christmas Child. What's that? <laughs> yeah. How do you get everyone's control? This is great. I have no funny stories to tell you. Yeah. I got to do one of those, the, like the preschool clapping mechanism. Like, yeah. Hey, oh my gosh, it worked. Okay. Good morning. I love everyone fellowshipping together. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful day outside but even more beautiful in here, because this is the church, amen? We are the church. The people are the church. Not the building. We are the church. And so it's great when the church fellowships together, amen? Uh, so there's a couple, one quick announcement again, that I will get it over to Lynn and the OCC team. Uh, but I just wanted to remind everybody, we do have groups that meet. Speaking of getting together as a church family and getting together, we have groups that meet. Uh, you don't have to write all those down. There is a little flyer in the lobby that you can pick up. Uh, we just encourage you to join a group, get involved somewhere, somehow in one of those groups as you guys do life together. And one of these Sunday mornings coming up, I'm going to talk more about this in, in greater detail. So we'll talk about that. But for now, there's a lot of stuff that you guys can get connected into. And then specifically, I believe this coming Tuesday is the young adult group uh, that's meeting. So if you know of some young adults uh, that are interested, they got a great group that meets the second and fourth Tuesday of the month from 6 to 8 p.m., and we want you guys, uh, those young adults, to get connected in there. So with that said, 
We have a video, and if you came in, you saw uh, the Operation Christmas Child map in the lobby, and there's some great things that they're going to do. We have a great video to show you. If you don't know what it's all about, you're about to find out, and then Miss Lynn's going to get up and give us an update uh, on what ECF is doing in that regard. Okay, video. Well, good morning, church. So I have a couple announcements for you. One, you will be so excited. This year, I will not start a $100 line. Yay! <laughs> Woo! All right? And I also will not do my best Samuel L. Jackson impression of what's in your wallet. Okay? All right. So see, already everybody's laughing. But... Our goal this year is to do 360 shoe boxes. Yay! Last year we packed 345. So, and also this year we want to do 75 soccer ball kits for the boys 10 to 14. And Janie was able to get a really good deal on it. It's only like $5 each. So, the grand total to send 360 shoe boxes at $9 a box plus the soccer ball would be $3,615. Let's just round it up to $4,000. Yay, yay, yay. Okay, so now what I'm going to challenge everyone this year is to check the box yes. Yes, how can I serve like Jesus? How can I be involved in helping to reach this goal, what we have for the shoe boxes? And everyone can check the box, yes. Even the kids. We had kids that came, and they helped last time, and it was just a good, good time. So, but what we're going to do when we serve like Jesus is we're not going to what? Like Pastor Jason said last week, we're not going to complain. So, number what? <sighs> they want me to help pay off the church, buy soap for city mission, and now I got to shop? Now I got to go to, listen, I don't do garage sales, okay? And what, I don't have no little people in my house. What, what, what size do they wear? Well, what do they even need? No. What your yes looks like and how you serve is going to depend on what God places on your heart. What is he asking you to do? But the, the excitement, do you see those kids and having the opportunity to reach someone who might not ever have heard the gospel? So at the end of the day, I'm asking everyone to be a ye. A ye? Yes. As Jesus said, go ye into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So we're all going to talk about being a ye. We're all going to talk about checking the box yes. And we're all going to talk about serving God and serving Jesus. But we're going to do it cheerfully. Thank you. All, all knew that, but you guys basically preached my message already. 
between everything that happened this morning, between gifts and serving and all the stuff you already preached. So I'm just going to do a recap as I do my message here this morning, just to kind of tidy everything up together and make sure you guys walk away with knowing exactly what we wanted you guys to come away with, what the Lord wanted to come away with today. Amen? So I'm just super excited about Operation Christmas Child. I just want to say thank you to Janie and to Lynn, and to Betty, and to Leanne, I saw her somewhere, and the rest of the OCC team. These ladies have been working tirelessly behind the scenes all year, basically. They're working on it, they're meeting, they're gathering stuff, they're doing it all to make this a possibility. So thank you, thank you guys for all that you guys do on that, it's great. Um, And then I'm going to do just a scripture here on offering. Uh, Before I do, did everybody get one of these little pieces of paper. If you didn't get a, this is not the OCC handout, this is the New Testament one another's. So if you did not get one of these, slip your hand up, we can get that to you. Okay, and before I, before I uh, talk about offering, I just want to share another testimony. Uh, interesting, you guys all know that we joined a network of churches called One Focus. Yeah, you guys remember that? We've talked about that a lot. In the coming weeks, I believe sometime in May, we'll have another one of the One Focus leaders come. Uh, He's not going to share the whole message, but he's going to talk a little bit. His name is Merle. Uh, Merle and Sue Shank, they're amazing people. Uh, They're going to come. But one of the things in joining this network, they ask each week to give an update on the church. You know, I'm attendance, what was the giving, how are you doing, how can we pray for you, what can we update you on? And they always ask, well, what's been like a praise report that's been happening? And can I tell you that the past three weeks I filled it out, God has done a supernatural healing of some kind or some sort in our church family. Can I get an amen and give him a hand for that? God is so good. So we had another one recently. Uh, Janet, uh, she came up to me and just said, you know what? We had prayed for her. We had laid hands on her. And she had the best week that she had in a long time. It's been months and months and months that she's been able to get around and do stuff maybe a day a week. And she was able to five, six days that week was able to go out and have the physical strength to do what, what she needed to go do. And I know the Brooks family has had miracles happening in their life. And so it's just really exciting to see what God is doing. Amen? Amen. Amen. I love the testimony. So Proverbs 3. Starting in verse 5, a lot of us know this verse, we can quote it usually, and I like verses that we can quote, but sometimes I like just to read them slow and break them down, yeah, because sometimes we, sometimes we whip, the Lord's Prayer, right, you remember the message we did on the Lord's Prayer, like you can whip through the Lord's Prayer like nobody's business and say it in about, I don't know, maybe 18 seconds, maybe less, depending on how fast you talk, but man, when you just go nice and slow and you break that thing down, Every word has this meaning. So look at it. It says, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Come on, church. Can we trust in him for our finances, our relationships, everything they have? Trust in the Lord. And I love that we are talking about here our feelings, our emotions, with all of your heart. Notice where it starts. It starts in our heart. And then it says, lean not on your own understanding. So when we get the word of God and we place it in to our, into us and it goes, settles into our heart, it actually begins to transform our mind and transform our thoughts and we are able to better trust in the Lord and lean not on our own understanding, amen? Because we can trust in him with our whole heart. So when we do that, it really begins to transform our mind and changes our understanding. 
Verse 6 then says, In all your ways acknowledge him. In all of our ways. Not some. Every way. Acknowledge him in our parenting. Can I say for a second? I was going to say this later. Mm, mothering is not the only thing that you are good at. Come on. She's an encourager, an uplifter. Babe, I love you. You are. You said I was like, girl, God has blessed you with many gifts out on top of mothering. But, okay, I won't get into all the mushy stuff. I'll tell her that personally later. Maybe I'll get a kiss, too. <laughs> That's the marriage seminar. That's going to be a little bit later in the year. We'll talk about that then. <laughs> I'm totally off track. Okay. In all, in all your ways, acknowledge him. In all of our ways, we acknowledge him, and he directs your paths. The word gets in, gets in our heart, transforms our mind. Our minds begin to align with the word of God and what he wants, and he directs our paths. Does he tell us everything we have to do all the time? No, but he's given us his word to guide us and to shape us and to mold us. So I love the word of God, and I love what he does. So let's pray over the offering in today's message. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your giving. Father God, because you are the great giver. Mm. You have gave us everything, Lord. Your son, everything we have has been given to you, from, uh, from you to us, Lord. And we just thank you for it. Lord, we do thank you, Lord, as Lynn said, Lord. We thank you that this mortgage is paid off, that every bill is paid in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you, Lord, that every need is met for the church and the church staff and the church congregation. And everyone, Father, and can hear my voice right now. And Father, we just thank you for this message. We thank you for what you're doing in our hearts. And we give you all the honor and the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. Thank you, Chet. Uh, open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 2 and then also Colossians chapter 3. And as you know, if you've been coming here since the beginning of the year, and we've been talking every week about spiritual disciplines. We're talking about the spiritual disciplines that we see in the early church, and we're using Acts chapter 2 to begin to look at those, and I'm going to read uh, just the first couple lines. I won't read the whole thing this morning. Acts 2, starting in verse 42, it says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. And that word fellowship there is koinonia. And we began to look at that word koinonia last week, and this is going to be kind of week two of looking at that word koinonia and what it means. I'll get to it in a minute. And the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and there were many wonders and signs that were done through the apostles. Then it talks about how they were all together. They had all things in common. They sold their possessions. Verse 46, they continued daily with one accord. Verse 47, they were worshiping and praising God. They had favor with all people. And the Lord added daily to those who were being saved. And so, Grace, you want to pull that chart up, the circle chart here. This is the chart we've been showing. So if you look and break down this passage of Scripture, these are all of the spiritual disciplines that you can see that the early church was really growing in and working on. How about all of us are growing and working on, amen? amen? Giving, studying God's word, worship, church attendance, home fellowship, serving, breaking bread together, and praying. And this morning I want to focus on serving again. This will be week two of this serving. But 
again, before I say it, I want to make sure that you guys understand that these are just parts of the spiritual disciplines. In fact, Elle and I were talking as we were coming in here, and I mentioned it last week. The second part of this series is going to be the spiritual disciplines of abstinence. Everyone's like, explain. <laughs> explain, all you married folks are saying, explain to me what you guys are talking about. No, here's what it is. These are the spiritual disciplines of engagement. These are the things that we do. We pray, we worship, we read the Bible, we serve, we study the word of God. We're doing all these things. These are part of the spiritual, but God has made a way that there are also spiritual disciplines of abstinence, like Sabbath, silence, solitude. These are the things that, you know, we don't get a whole lot of amens about because we live in America, we live in this century, we're like, I've got our phones, we've got all this stuff. No, we want to do, 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 do. But God says, no, I don't just want you to do, I also want you to be. Oh. Okay, so I started with the doing because you all be excited about, oh, I can do more, I can do more. Yeah, that's great. Okay, you all can do more. And then I'm going to get into do less. And it's a balance, guys. Isn't life a balance? And he calls us to rest. He calls us to slow down. He calls us to Sabbath. He calls... How many times have we seen Jesus get away in solitude and in silence? If he had to get away, completely filled with the Holy Spirit, man and God... I mean, are you kidding me? If he had to get away and have some time alone to pray in silence and solitude, do you think that we don't have to? We do. We need to. So I'm excited about what God's going to be doing as we make uh, progress in here. So koinonia, koinonia is a Greek word that occurs 20 times in the Bible. It's all in the New Testament. And here's what it really means. It means fellowship, sharing in common, and communion. Look at this definition. Koinonia is being in agreement with one another. This fellowship means being in agreement with one another, being united in a purpose. This church was united in a purpose to pack 345 shoeboxes to send to Haiti and Dominican Republic and all the stuff on your sheet. But we are united to do more than that. We are united to reach this area with the gospel. We are united to be sent out to go into the school districts and to our workplaces and to reach people for Jesus. And we're united to serve together Side by side. And serving alongside each other. Our koinonia with each other is based on our common koinonia with Jesus Christ. Look at this verse. 1 John 1. You don't have to turn there. We're going to put it up. We're going to go to Colossians here in a minute. Verses 6 and 7 says this. If we say that we have fellowship with him... And walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Whew. Because where he is, there's light. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Wait a second. You mean my relationship with Jesus affects my relationship with others? Hello. Yes, it does. Our koinonia with each other, our fellowship, our unity, our serving, our being together in fellowship is directly related to our relationship with Jesus. And I, I use this analogy sometimes at weddings, but it, re it really is good for all of us 
If you think of God being up here at the top of a triangle, and you and somebody else, whether it's your spouse, whether it's the person you're serving next to, as you grow closer to God in your spiritual disciplines, in your walk, and all these things, what are you actually doing? Look how far apart you are here. As you grow, you're actually getting closer to each other. So our koinonia, our fellowship, our one anotherness with each other is directly related to our relationship with Jesus. And so, the, you know, the questions I get, well, let me finish that, that, that scripture there. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. We could just end that right there. What we did at communion. Come on, church. So first, where do we serve? How do we have this fellowship? How do we serve? It's a question I get all the time. Like, well, I want to serve. Where do you want me to serve? I, you know, I want to do something for the church. Where can I help at the church? What can I do? And here's my first thing that I've always say, and we've mentioned this before. Where has God placed you? Where has God placed you? And that is where you need to begin to serve. Whether it's your family, whether it's whether he's placed you in this church, whether he's placed you in the, in the workplace that you're in. Because last week we said, what was the title of the message? Never work another day in your life. How do we never work another day in our lives? And if you missed last week, you can go back and listen to it on what that means and what that looks like. But we say, where are we called to serve, to have koinonia with, with each other? So in the church, I have this chart that we want to pull up. And I've shared this before. There's these two circles that each of us have. We have this circle of passion, and we have this circle, circle of giftings. And what I've told people is that where those two circles overlap is where God, almost all the time, now it doesn't go without saying, and it doesn't happen 100%, is where God has us serving. So if you look at someone like Sid, who we've talked about already this morning, so we'll keep talking about her. Because she, she loves when we talk about her. Just like you love, that's right, just like you love when I give public comment. This is all good. Passion for worship Gifting in worship. Where is she serving the church? In worship. Now, look at me. I have a passion for worship. I do not have a gifting for worship. My microphone is not on when we sing for a reason. And so I do not serve on the worship team. Because Sid would be like, yeah, no. You might be my boss, but yeah, no. <laughs> you can't serve on the worship team. But where God has given us these passions, and when he's given us these giftings, he has this, this, this sweet spot in the middle where he's calling us to serve. Now, when I say that, does that mean it works all the time with every Look, for Pastor Andy, it works, man. This guy has a pastoral care heart. He loves to meet with people and just encourage people, and he's got that perfect mix, and that's where he serves. But now, look, we've also talked about serving in the nursery. Okay? You, I will not put you through a test on how fast you can change a diaper. Okay? You don't have to be gifted to change a diaper in less than 30 seconds and be excited about it to have to serve in the nursery. Can I get an amen to that? <laughs> right? 
So it doesn't apply to say with everything, but what we're saying is there's places where God has us to koinonia, to fellowship with one another, and to serve and to pour out our talents, and it's where these passions and where these giftings begin to overlap. God has a plan for each one of us. You guys know that? Ephesians 2, verse 4, says this, But God, who is rich in mercy... Because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves it is a gift of God, not your works, lest anyone should boast. What did Pastor Liz already talk about this morning? Verse 10 says this, For we are his workmanship. We are created, wonderfully made, uniquely made by him, by God, for a purpose, for a reason. He's given you the passions. He's given you the giftings. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, for a purpose, for a value to the kingdom, which God has prepared beforehand, which means he has already set a place for each and every one of us. And that we should walk in them, God's plan for our life. So, turn with me to Colossians chapter 3 and pull out your one another sheet. I want to say a couple things about this New Testament one another's is, you know, and I don't have them all on here, but this is just a portion of God's commandments to us on one to another, or the one another's commandments that God has in the New Testament. You know it says over 59 times in the New Testament to love one another? 59 times. In fact, it says more, more, it says that more than it says don't lie, don't steal, don't cheat, don't kill. It says love. And we always look at all the things we shouldn't do, but there are also things God says to do, which is to love one another. So just read through those just for a minute. Be at peace with each other. Love one another. Be devoted to one another. Live in harmony with one another. Stop passing judgments on one another. Accept one another. Instruct one another. Greet one another. When you come together to eat, wait for each other. Have equal concern for each other. Serve one another. And the reason why I'm giving these to you as a handout is because a couple things. One is we have to be reminded periodically of these things. Number two... As I read these every day this week, they honestly, they just, they do something to your heart when you read them. When you read, this is what we talked about earlier, when you read the word of God and you begin to put it in your heart, it begins to soften your heart towards one another. And I'm telling you, if, if you would get into a fight with your spouse, not that we got in any kind of fight this week, but if you get into a fight with your spouse and you take some time to get away and you would read the one another's, you would see that most of them are about love, about care, about kindness, about gentleness, about forgiveness. 
And you can't read through these and then go back to the fight the same way you exited the fight. So I believe this is a real tool that you guys can use that has value in your daily life. And I have to give credit to Pastor Jim. Pastor Jim Dumont, he did a one another sheet. It was not like this exactly, but it was similar to this. I mean like five years ago, maybe more. And I kept it in my Smith Wigglesworth devotional that I read every single day, probably for the past five years. And it's just shoved in a page somewhere. And periodically, once a year, I would come across the one another's. And I would read it, and it would just encourage me. And I'd stick it back in the devotional somewhere else. So I'd encourage you, don't lose this. You just stick it somewhere where you know you're going to have a chance to read this again. So I want to look at a couple of these. Actually, probably just, let's go to Colossians 3. Because last week we really talked about the heart of serving. Why do we serve? Why do we koinonia with each other? Why do we fellowship? This week I want to talk about the what, like the how do we do it. These are the how we do it. These one another's are how we actually go and do this. Colossians 3, I'm going to start in verse 1 and I'm going to go down through, I believe, verse 17 and do what we did last week. We're just going to read and we're going to stop and we're going to do some uh, exposition of the scripture. If, then you were raised with Christ... Seek those things which are above. First and foremost, he is telling us to turn our eyes to the things that are above. Because last time I checked, if you turn on the news and we are praying for Ukraine, Wednesday night we had an amazing time of prayer for Ukraine and for lost loved ones and all the things. We did that on Wednesday night. But if you look at the things of the world, you will have trouble. You can't stare at those things for long and not begin to feel all the things. And so it's okay to know what's going on, but it's also, the Lord says, fix your eyes on things that are above. Where Christ is, this is where he is. He's seated at the right hand of God. Verse 2, set your mind on things above, not on things on this earth. So the first thing this scripture is talking us to us is we have to have a mindset change. You have to have a mindset change. The word says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We have to intentionally take our eyes off of the things that are of this world and put our eyes on the things which are above. How do we do that? Through prayer. How do we do that? Through reading the word. How do we do that? Through worshiping him. How do we do that? Through fellowship with one another. Verse 3. For you died... How many of us have died? Come on, church. We have to. And your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who, verse 4, when Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Verse 5. Here's where we get to the specifics. Therefore, put to death your members. I'm not talking about church members. I'm t- this is talking to you. <laughs> Everyone's like, I got a few people I've been thinking about. No, my goodness, no. This is an inward. I'm talking about you this morning. Don't take your eyes off anyone else. This is we're about loving one another. Jeez, I saw everyone kind of look at me like, what? Church members. No, 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 no. 
Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth. The things of this earth, we need to kill them. We need to get rid of them out of our life. We need to dig them up. We got to grind them out. The roots that are stuck so deep, we got to yank them out. And it's painful and that we need the Lord's help to do it. Amen? Man, do we need the Lord's help to do it. What are some of these things? The Bible says they're fornication, uncleanliness, passion. In this case, not the passion circles we talked about before, but a lust, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. So the very first thing this message is talking about is we, after we change our mindset, it says we have to put off our sinful heart. And you'll notice that as we walk through the scripture, there's a couple things we got to put off, and there's a few things we have to put on. We have to put off our sinful heart. We actually have to see it for what it is, know that we can't do anything about it without Jesus Christ, who saves us from all of our sin and all of our transgressions, and say, Lord, forgive me for this. I need to put this away. I need to turn. I need to repent from these things. And you'll see how this builds on each other. Because at the very end, there's going to be, you actually can't really speak into someone's life until there's all these things that begin to happen. Because guess what, church? People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. I didn't make that up. Somebody else said it. I ain't taking credit for it. But it's a perfect example. They don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And as we walk through this stuff, we have to begin to love one another. We have to put these things off. Because these things, verse 6, because these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. Just yikes, okay. Let's keep moving. Verse 7, in which you yourselves once walked. Come on, church. Every one of us has been there. And we have times where we slip and we have issues daily. We're working through our salvation, this faith. In which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But thank God we are a new creation in Christ. Amen? Verse 8. But now you yourselves are to put off all these. And he gives us another list. As if the last list wasn't enough. As if the last list of the sinful heart wasn't enough. He's just like... Apostle Paul is just like, eh. <laughs> I know you're working on those other things, but let me give you a few more things to put off. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. And here's the interesting thing of the progression of these things. If you look at the scripts and the words and how they were laid out, they started with things of your heart, and he's ending with things from your mouth. Paul's actually saying is we got to get this stuff fixed, and then as you begin to fix these things, you begin to fix what comes out of our mouth. Holy smokes. So we have to put off, we have to put off our sinful mouth. How many know that that's a true statement? We got to put that thing off. We have got to say, Lord, I need help controlling the tongue. Because there is what? Death and life are in the tongue. There's power in it. You have the power to ruin your marriage relationship with your tongue. You also have the power to dramatically change your relationships for the better with your tongue. And so the Apostle Paul is saying here, look, there's some things you have to go put off. 
You need to get rid of some of these things. Verse 9 says, and do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds. And then verse 10, he says, and have put on the new man. So I love this analogy. There's things we're putting off, but then he's also like, okay, well, I'm not going to leave you naked because that's awkward and we got to get rid of this other stuff. So there's some things we have to go put on. We know about putting on the armor of God. We know about putting on all these things. But he's actually saying there's some things we have to put on when it comes to our koinonia and our fellowship with one to another. We have to put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. When we have a relationship with Jesus, this whole koinonia, as we grow closer to him, we grow closer to each other because we have to put on this new man. The old heart, the old mouth have to be put to death and then we put on the new man. Verse 11. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and all. So Paul is saying, all right, put this stuff off, put on the new man, and so what does the new man look like? And I love the Bible because it doesn't leave you hanging. How many love the Bible because it never leaves you hanging? Somebody said, you know, the one time, like, how do you come up with your messages? The Bible doesn't leave you hanging. You just take a passage of scripture, and God is speaking to us. And I encouraged you last week, all of you can have your own messages every single day as the Lord is speaking to you as you're walking through scripture. He speaks his life in his scripture. It says, verse 12, then, this is the, 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 the part of the chapter is called the character of the new man. So you put off that old stuff, you put on the new stuff. So what does the character of the new man look like? What does the character of the new man operate? How do we one another? How do we do this with one another? Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, and long-suffering. Before you serve, you need to get dressed. And what do we get dressed with? We get dressed with this, with tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. In our marriage relationship, when we wake up, guess what we have to go put on? Tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. So the point here is we put off that we have to put on the new man. This is new man material. This is stuff you can't get on your own. This is stuff you can't Google and say, hmm, I'm going to Google how to be more humble. I'm going to Google it on how to show more grace. If it's not coming out of the word of God, it's not coming out of the Bible, it's not helping you. The only thing that ever really helps is the biblical basis and truth. Now, there's stuff out there that helps, but it's always biblically foundational. It's always based in the word. So we have to put on this new man. It's like you literally got to get out of bed and put it on. Because our flesh doesn't want to put it on, right? It's like, you know, sometimes I'm trying to get Maggie dressed. God bless her. She's our four-year-old. And every time I try to put tights on her, for whatever reason, instead of pointing her toes, which would make sense, so that you can slip whatever's on, you know, all the way up, she does one of these. 
It's like her foot is completely jammed in the tight. And every inch is like a struggle to go put on these clothes. And sometimes for us, isn't it the same way? Like, come on, guys. I'm not talking about your jeans and your pants, boys. Right? I'm talking about the struggle with putting on the new man. Sometimes it's hard to get on. You've got to work to get it on. And sometimes your toe tears through the tight as you're pulling it up, right? But we don't give up. We keep putting it on. We've got to keep putting these clothes on. We have to get up and be reminded and to read that one another over and over and over to remind ourselves. Sometimes it's not easy to get dressed. Sometimes it's not easy to get dressed. So what is this new man? It's tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. Verse 13, as if that wasn't enough, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. You mean I got to do this too? Like daily? Yes. God forgives you every single day. Can we forgive others every single day? We don't know what they did. I understand there are some difficult things in life. This is a command of God to do these things. If anyone has a complaint against one another, even as Christ forgave you, so that you must do also. So we have to bear with one another. We have to forgive one another. And I love what this, this word forgiving in here, if you look it up in the Greek, it actually means not just to forgive, but to show favor and to show kindness to. You're like, oh, Pastor Jason, please. It's enough that I got to go forgive the person? You mean that I have to actually bless them as well? And I have to actually show kindness and favor to them? I'm just telling you what the Bible's saying. Verse 14 But above all these things, put on love. It's like all that stuff that came off, all the stuff that came on, if you remember anything, you have to put on love. This is what you have to put on. Why? Because it's the bond of of perfection. So we put off the old man, we put on the new man, and we put on love. As I said earlier, there's 59 times in the New Testament it says to love one another. You start flipping through the pages, love one another. Flip through the pages, love one another. Flip through the pages, love one another. A few more pages, you mean I got to love one another? Yes. This loving one another, this bond, this bond of perfection, this word bond means this. It's a uniting principle, a joint, a tie of perfection. That bond of love is a tie of perfection. And then verse 15 says this. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you are also called in one body. This actually does mean the church, not the members from earlier, if you remember. This actually does mean the church. You are called in one body and be thankful. So when we put off the old man and we put on the new man and we get these new clothes on that we're, work, we're working on this, right? You don't walk out of here and be like, Pastor Jason said it, he gave me the sheet. I'm good. I'm good. I got it all written down. I'm absolutely good. This is a work in process for each and every one of us. Peace will rule because love never fails. Peace will rule because love never fails. Which says that when we learn to walk in love with one another, the outcome is peace. How many know that that's true? 
How many know in a marriage relationship? Is that not true? Come on, church. When you are able to walk in love, you mean peace will follow me everywhere that I go? Yes. And I would tell you, honestly, if, there is, if you don't have peace in relationships, it may be the other person's fault, but I would say stop there and begin to look at yourself. I would say stop right there and say, Lord, I don't have peace in this relationship. What's going on? Show me what's going on inside of me and why this peace is not here in this relationship. Because the Bible says when we walk in love, there's peace. That doesn't mean everything's warm and fuzzy, always everything goes great. A lot of times walking in love means having difficult conversations, but the outcome is peace. May not be right away, but this outcome ends up being peace. Peace will rule because love never fails. Why does love never fail? Because love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade around itself. Love is not puffed up. This is scriptures. It does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, rejoices in truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. So once we're able to do that, then verse 16, then Paul gives us like, okay, once you're there, once you actually have your heart positioned, now look, none of us always get there completely, right? This is a process as we're working up and down this continuum. But what the Lord is saying is, as you put off the old man, as you put on the new man, as you begin to walk in love, then, verse 16, in, in progression, 16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another. Wait a second. You mean that before I go and admonish someone else and tell them what they're not doing right, I have to begin to have a love for that person first? Yes. When you don't have a relationship with someone, when you don't have that unity with someone, when you don't have koinonia with someone, when you come to them and say, hey, I see something going on in your life, I like, do you know what the people do? They put up their defenses. They don't want to hear what you have to say. But when you're in relationship with someone, when you're in relationship with someone, and that person comes to you, and you know that they love you, and they know that they pray for you, and you know that they care for you, and they know that they have your best interests in heart, and they know that you love, they love you with all of their heart, and they say, look, Pastor Jason, I, I'm beginning to see this in your life. You're like, oh, Lord, forgive me. Show me more. You don't immediately put up the defenses when you begin to feel that. Now, look, guys, I have failed on this many a times because even when I know someone who loves me comes to me, I'm just like, whatever, right? So we all have these moments and these times, but even if you don't receive it right away, you begin to receive it because God is love. And when, God, when we begin to walk in that love toward one another, we begin to have this koinonia and this relationship and this fellowship with one another. Peace will rule because love never fails. Worship team, or uh, Sid, if you want to come back up. It says that with all wisdom, teaching, admonishing one another in psalms, in hymns, in spiritual songs, we talk to each other with the word of God, with grace in our hearts towards the Lord. And then verse 17 says this, I want to close it, and whatever you do, 
in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So you have homework this week. I want you to take that sheet of paper. I want you to read it every day. And I'm telling you, the Lord will highlight something to you because he did it to me. He will highlight one. It's like it's going to jump off the paper in bold, flashing lights, more so than the rest of them. It's all, I mean, maybe this won't happen to you. I'm praying and believing that it will. Because these messages are more than just a Sunday morning. It's something we have to work on and chew on all week as we grow and as we seek the Lord. But as you begin to read it, I'm telling you, there's something that's going to jump out. And I would encourage you when it jumps out, get out your highlighter and put a little highlight on it and say, Lord, what are you trying to show me here? What are you trying to show me, Lord? What is it in this one that you want me to know or to grow in? Just close your eyes this morning. I would say this. The Lord is calling you to serve those who he has put right in front of you. He's called you to love those he has put right in front of you. He's called you to koinonia and fellowship with one another, those he has put right in front of you. And I thank the Lord that he's given us a road map. He's given us a way with the word to be able to love and care for one another. You know, Jesus modeled this in an amazing way. He had the 70 people that surrounded him as a larger group. He had the 12 as a smaller group of disciples. And then he had the inner three. I'm not asking you to go out and try to coin a knee and have deep friendships with all 100 people in this room. But I'm asking the Lord, and you need to ask the Lord, who are you calling me into a deeper relationship with? Into a deeper fellowship with? And many times it's those who you put right in front of you, your spouse, your friends, your family those who you already have a connection with. So I encourage you this week just to read that over and say, Lord, show me what you want in my life. So let me pray for you guys this morning. Heavenly Father, I just thank you, Lord, that you have modeled for us this fellowship. You have modeled for us koinonia, a unity between the Father and Son and Holy Spirit that is so amazing. Father, I just pray for a unity within this church, a bond of fellowship and of strength that your Holy Spirit is working and binding us together. Father, I pray for marriages here this morning. Father, I pray that you would strengthen them, that they would seek you in loving one another. 
that you would restore relationships this morning. That this would be a conversation that would last not just here, Lord, but that you would challenge each one of us to love one another. And Father, I thank you that because you are the all in all, you're helping us with this. And we give you all the honor and the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We've got some prayer teams that are going to be up front. If you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, today's the day. If you'd be like, you know what, I feel like God's been talking to me all service, and I need to share with someone and have them pray for me, these teams will be up here who can pray for you. And let me end with this. They don't know I'm going to do it. Actually, one of them's not here. But I saw koinonia happening. Well, I see it a lot happening in our church. But I saw it last Sunday after church. And I won't mention their names, not to, because I've already embarrassed enough people this morning. But there were two women who were sitting in this general vicinity over here. And after church was over, I saw them talking to each other. And I'm not talking about, like, what are you making for lunch discussion. They were sharing their hearts with one another. And they were encouraging each other. Gives me goosebumps, because I'm, I'm picturing it happening. And then everyone leaves, and all this stuff happens, and they're still encouraging one another. They're still talking with one another. And as I was walking out last Sunday... They were standing in the lobby and they were holding hands and they were praying for each other. And I just in my heart was said, yes. Yes, yes, yes. That is the model that God is calling each of us to. A fellowship, a relationship, one to another. Amen? Amen. All right, let me close with a benediction as the prayer teams come up. 2 Peter 1 says this. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. Just receive this this morning. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us by glory and virtue, by which you have been given the exceeding great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is the world through lust. Father, I thank you, Lord, that we walk with your divine power and we thank you for your fellowship and your unity. We give you all the praise and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. You are dismissed. Enjoy that beautiful weather out there.